right, good morning, good morning. How are you? Hey, who else, who else got up early enough to see the sun come up and see the first little dusting of snow on Pikes Peak this morning? Come on, that was pretty nice. It really, it may, it may melt off today, but it was nice this morning. So good to see you, happy fall, y'all. Is it good, yeah? Seeing a little orange out, I don't know if it's the ball game or the fall, I don't know. I see a lot of orange though, so good to see you. Hey, I wanna remind you that this Wednesday night is a very special night in the calendar of our church. It's first Wednesday, this Wednesday night. And I just wanna encourage you, if you've never come to a first Wednesday, I want you to come this week. I want you to set aside whatever thing else you got. Unless your children are getting married or you're in critical condition in the hospital, you should be at First Wednesday, okay? I was just thinking during worship, the reason this place feels the way it feels is not because of what we do on Sunday morning. It's because of the prayer that goes on in this place. It's because we've set aside times like First Wednesday to seek the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is a priority in this house. The presence of God, the nearness of God, the fullness of the Spirit happens because we intentionally gather together and we ask for his presence to come among us. So Wednesday we have prayer meetings at 7.30 at noon and then we have first Wednesday here in this room at 6.30. So I hope to see you here, okay? Is that a good commercial or not, right? All right, turn to Nehemiah chapter six. We are marching our way through the book of Nehemiah. Pastor Eddie did a fantastic job last Sunday. If you didn't hear that message, that was really, really a great message. I watched online. Pam and I took a little weekend, a little trip away to Florida. I got some sun and some water, but we're glad to be back in Colorado because God lives here. He visits Florida, but he lives here. And uh, be, by the way, be praying for the people in Florida. We were there just the day before the hurricane hit. We flew out the day before, and that's just a devastating storm. And we have lots of friends and family that live in that Fort Myers area. That, that, and that was just a, that was the fourth, I think the fourth most powerful hurricane to ever hit the state of Florida. And that, that's saying something. So let's be praying for recovery. Uh, we'll be giving you opportunities to give and to serve. Uh, if, if you know of good ministries that are happening, I encourage you to give toward that because they need some help. It's gonna take a long, long time to rebuild some of those communities and we'll be, we'll be present to help with them, all right? Nehemiah chapter six, in this part of the book, Nehemiah is almost finished. He's almost done what God sent him to Jerusalem to do. It's almost done. I, I was thinking this morning, uh, and I want you to catch this as a narrative through the whole sermon today. I want, this is for you, and I don't know who it's for, but it's for someone. You're so close to the breakthrough you've been praying for. You're so close. In fact, listen very carefully. This is what the Lord, early this morning, I was praying for you, and the Lord just said this to me and to you. You're closer than you think. You're closer than you can see. You're closer than you have let yourself believe. The breakthrough, the promise that God has made you, and I'm not saying this to uh, just to, as a cheerleader at this point, I'm saying this as a, as a prophetic word to you. You're so close. But there's something that the enemy does when you're really close to being finished with something, he comes and distracts us. So I'm gonna to talk to you about distractions today. The distractions that the enemy brings to us that knock us off center when we're so close to the finish line. Nehemiah chapter six, verse one, when the word came to Sanballat, 
Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gate. Now we know this, that a wall is no good unless you have doors, right? The doors have gotta be in place. You can have all the great walls you want, but if the doors are wide open, the enemies are still coming in. So they knew they had one last thing to do. The hard part had already been done. The wall was the hard part. Listen, New Life Church, you've done the hard part. You have been faithful, you've been prayerful, you've been steadfast, you've been unmovable, you've kept your faith, you've kept your eyes on Jesus. The hard part of rebuilding has already been done, but there's one last thing. There's always one last thing. And it says, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono, that's outside of Jerusalem. It's a kind of a forgotten place, in the middle of nowhere. It's like going to Pueblo, okay? It's the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm joking, I love Pueblo. But they, by the way, do you know what Pueblo means? Pueblo means town. That was really creative when they named the place. Name it town. Anyway, that's an old joke. I'm, I'm in so much trouble right now with the Pueblo Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. Listen to this, listen to this. This is the word, this is what you've gotta get accustomed. This is how you have to speak to the enemy. When the enemy comes to distract you, here's the response that should come from you to him. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. I'm, what I'm doing is important work. What you're asking me to do is not my assignment. You, you, know what, you know what's very important for all of our lives, New Life, listen. It's important to know what you're called to do and it's important to know what you're called not to do. What you're called to and what you're not supposed to do. And sometimes we don't know the difference. Not every good thing requires your attention, but some good thing does require your primary attention. I'm not, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Now listen to this, this is verse four, it's very important to catch this. Four times they sent me the same message Listen, these distractions will continue. They're not just gonna happen one time. It's perpetual, it's constant, it's chronic. The enemy's gonna come to you time and time again trying to distract you. And each time I gave them the same answer. I have important work to do and I'm not going out with you. I'm saying no to that so I can say yes to my assignment. This is so critical for all of us. Now let me give you a definition of distractions. This is my definition. I didn't borrow this and steal this. A lot of stuff I preach to you may be borrowed or stolen, but this is unique, all right? <laughs> this is my definition. Distractions are false priorities appearing urgent. You write that down, okay? This is very important to know the difference. This is why in this time, in this season that we're living in as Christ followers, this is why you hear me pray, come Holy Spirit. I woke up this morning, I don't know, pretty early, first thing that came out of my lips this morning, come Holy Spirit. Why am I praying that? Because I am reminding myself that I have an assignment today and I'm not going to get distracted. 
I'm gonna keep my eyes on the focus that God's given me, the assignment that God's given me, and I will say no to all the urgent things that appear like they're, they're urgent, but they're false. So put that back up. Distractions are false priorities. The enemy tells you it's a priority, but it's not. Listen, not everyone's definition of an emergency should be your definition of an emergency. That's good stuff right there, by the way. You need to, be, you need to know what a real emergency is and what a false emergency is. Good leaders, good people, people that are productive for the kingdom of heaven, know the difference between real emergencies and false ones. Distractions are false priorities appearing urgent. So when I wake up this morning, this morning I ask myself these two questions. And most mornings I ask myself these two questions, okay? This is good stuff if you're in any kind of leadership, if you're leading a company, if you're leading your home, you're leading your kids, uh, you're leading your dogs, whatever you're leading, okay? Very important to ask yourself these two questions. Number one, what am I supposed to do today? What is it that I am supposed to do today that no one else can do? Do you know that's, that's true about all of you? There are things that only you can do. You know what, that's what you should be doing. This is really good, I don't know if y'all are catching this. What I'm giving you today can save your life. There are things that only you can do, and that's what you're supposed to be doing. The things that only you can do. So I woke up this morning and said, what am I supposed to do, Lord? And he gave it, tells me, reminds me, feed my sheep is what he says. I love these people. You know that most times when I walk up on the stage, you know what the Lord always whispers to me? 15 years I've been your pastor. Not every Sunday, but most Sundays as I'm walking from that chair to this place, the Lord says to me, I love these people more than you can imagine. Now why does he say that to me? So I don't, I don't come up here and harm you. I'm not here to rebuke you or harm you. I'm here to spur you on and challenge you maybe. I'm here to stir you up. That may, seem, may aggravate some of you, but it's not to harm you, it's to help you. And the Lord says to me almost every time, I love these people. And it, it focuses me on my priority. What is my priority? Feed the sheep, love the people, shepherd the flock, care for the congregation. That's my assignment. So that's the first question. Here's the second question. First question is, what am I supposed to do today? Second question is this, what's keeping me from doing those most important things? And that is the distraction I wanna to talk to you about today, okay? All right, now I'm gonna take you to another story in another part of the Bible, and I wanna show you a leader, a very prominent leader in the Bible who got distracted. And it's the story of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. At this point in David's life, he has conquered all of his enemies, he has rebuilt Jerusalem. He by far, by far, at, up to this point, was the most remarkable king that Israel had ever had. He is a warrior, he's a worshiper, he's, he's remarkable in every way. But he is getting distracted as he's getting older. And one of the saddest stories that I've ever heard in the Bible is the one I'm about to read to you. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one, it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, now let me ask all the military people in the room, why did he go off to war in the spring? Because the winter is wet and muddy, can't move your army. You can't move the army in the winter. But when things started drying up, when the weather got better, that's when kings would go off to war. 
That's when battles would happen. So David, instead of going to battle with his men, which he had done every spring for probably 20 years, for 20 years he had kept his eye on his primary assignment. But in this particular season, in this particular spring, something distracted David. David, instead of going off with his army, sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they did good work. They destroyed the Ammonites, besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem instead of with his army. And one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. Her name was Bathsheba. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? One of his best soldiers, by the way. This is the wife of one of his best soldiers. This is the ultimate betrayal of trust. This is a leader at his worst. And he says, David sent the messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now we know this, there are two people in the story of David that are prominent. Two people, if you know the story of David, there were two people that were very prominent in the story of David. It was Goliath and Bathsheba. And both of these adversaries, both of these people reveal something about David's heart that's really important for you to catch. They both distract David in a way. They both do something in David's heart. You see, as a young man, when David was a young man, he was far more interested in the invisible God than the visible giant. Listen, if you're, some of you have got way too much focus on the stuff out there instead of the God up here. That's, that's the ultimate distraction, by the way. You know what the, the enemy really wants to distract you from? He, the enemy doesn't really care if you're distracted from your work and your assignment. Actually, the enemy wants to distract you from the goodness and the beauty of God. If you ever lose your focus that God is good, God is beautiful, God is all-powerful, God is present, that is our focus. And if your eyes ever wander away from that, you'll start looking at all the bad stuff. You'll be angry and agitated all the time because you forgot that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father and he's coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom, his kingdom, not our kingdom, his kingdom will have no end. That's why we stay focused on Jesus. But something happened in David. As an older man, listen to this, something pivoted in the heart of David. As an older man, he was more fascinated with the visible beauty of a woman than the beauty of God. Now I want you to notice there were three things that I just told you about this story. Listen to this. He saw her, he sent for her, and he got her. Now why is that important for us? Because when we're distracted, we know we're distracted the moment we become takers and not servants. Listen, here it is, Outreach Sunday. And there's, there's all kinds of things out in the lobby for you to get involved in. We're not doing this to keep you busy. You're already busy. You, you are already busy. I know that. There's probably nobody in this room that's looking for more things to do. The reason those ministries are out in the lobby is not to keep you busy not to keep you in some type of spiritual activity. It's to give you an opportunity to serve instead of take. All of those opportunities are opportunities to give something away. 
is to serve, to give a part of yourself away because what happens is if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our hearts as servant led, we look up one day and we become takers instead of servants. And that's when you know you've been distracted from God. Listen, this is very important. What I just said to you, listen, all the men over 50, I'm 55, and all the men and women over 50, listen to me. Make sure as we get older, and I am getting older, I know that. I am really young at heart, but my body is 55. And I know that. And I know one day I'm, I'm gonna be too old to do what I'm, I can do. But I know this right now, in this season of life that I am, I'm wiser than I've ever been, I'm smarter than I've ever been, I'm funnier than I've ever been. <laughs> I'm not near as good looking as I used to be, but that's another story. The point is I want to stay in love with Jesus in this last part of my life so that I always serve and not take. It's so easy when you get older to start being a taker instead of a giver. I just wanna remain servant-led, servant-focused. Make sure you're giving more away than you're taking. I will sit down this week and find out how are you spending your time. If all of your time is being spent consuming something, you've already, you're wildly distracted. Look at the, how you spend the hours of your day. If you're spending more time at, with Netflix than with the scriptures, you're wildly distracted, right? Instead of the presence of the Lord, instead of the presence of entertainment. Then that's a big thing with me. I love movies, I love good cinema, I love good storytelling, and I can look up one day and I've spent several hours watching some really good movies, and I realize that's not always good for me every day. On some days, that's a good day, but not every day. And so he was bored, David was bored, and he started playing it safe. He was bored, and he started playing everything safe. And this is a big, big temptation for the American church. It really is. Listen to this. The most, that's the most dangerous place for any of us. The most dangerous place that you will ever be in is when you look up one day and you're bored and you haven't done anything risky for God in a long time. When was the last time you put it all on the table and said, God, I wanna do something bold for you. Risk something. Give something that is costly. Live in a way that is super sacrificial. I'm talking about putting your, all the chips on the middle of the table. There has to be some moments. I'm not saying every day has to be lived like that. Most days are normal, routine, mundane, programmed, I understand that, especially if you have kids, you need a home that feels like that. Orderly and stable, that's fine. But I believe there are seasons in every person's life. There will come defining moments in all of our lives where the Lord will ask you from time to time to put it all in the middle of the table and trust him with it. And that's, if, you're, if you haven't done that in a while, I wanna encourage you, at some point in your life, Soon, risk something for the sake of his kingdom. Because our spiritual senses are the sharpest when we're in the game. When you're, when you're doing the work of ministry, when you are engaged with people who need you, when you are, when you are doing what God's called you to do, that's when you're at your best. When the church has been pushed to the margins of the culture and we're there to help the helpless and hungry, that's when the church is actually at its best. 
when the church feels marginalized and pushed to the margins, when we're doing work in the quiet spaces and not on the front pages, that's actually when the church is at its best. That's when the people of God rise up. When hurricanes hit Florida, I saw a little quote yesterday and I, I grew up, my, I don't know if you know this, but Pam grew up Southern Baptist. If you ever know about the Southern Baptist people, they have these yellow hats and yellow t-shirts. They're all, you look at, every time there's a natural disaster, watch the television and you'll see these people in the background with yellow hats and yellow shirts. Those are Baptist people out handing out water. They'll show up. There will be thousands of retired Baptists in Florida for the next several weeks wearing their yellow hats and their yellow shirts, doing the work of Jesus among people who've lost everything. Listen, that's when they're at their best. I thought yesterday, when they put that yellow shirt on, when they put that yellow hat on, they feel closer to God in that moment than at any other time that they were working. Listen, this is what I'm talking about, doing simple stuff, but getting in the game. Listen to what Jesus said. In John chapter five, listen to what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, by the way, whenever Jesus says truly, truly twice, he's about to tell you the truth. I just want to tell you that. That's a, that's a little hint. Truly, truly is, is, is proof that he's about to say something really true. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. So even Jesus, the perfect human, human God, the son of God said, listen, I, I'm only doing what the Father tells me. The Father is speaking to me and I'm obeying. So in the Garden of Eden, when he's about to go to the cross, who's he praying to? Father in heaven, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Listen, this is exactly the way Jesus, why is Jesus telling us this? Because he wants us to live with that kind of tension in our lives. That kind of of, of awareness of what the Father is saying. For whatever the Father does, that's what the Son does likewise, he says. All right, so how do we keep our focus? I'm gonna give you something really, really simple here, okay? This is so simple. And for all the men in the room, I don't wanna generalize this because I think it's more nuanced than this. But, so I don't wanna overgeneralize and I wanna stereotype. But I do think there is some truth to what I'm about to say. Women make friendships by conversations, typically, not always, but typically. Men make friendships by doing something together. That leads to a conversation. But if you get me a bunch of guys and we're all doing something together, those are my closest friends today. People that I've gone on trips with, people that I've done work with, people that I'm present with. So we just know how do you make friends? So when I wake up, and this may not resonate with everybody in the room, but it does, as a man, it resonates with me. I wake up and I say, Father in heaven, what are you up to today? And how can I be a part? In other words, what can I do today? What activity, what project do I need to be a part of today? So try this on for size for the rest of this week. Wake up and say, Lord, I'm, you put me in this neighborhood. I don't know why. I live in this house, in this neighborhood. My kids go to this school. I work at this place. These are the people I'm alongside. I know, you, you probably know about 80 or 90% of the people you're going to encounter every day because you work with them, you know them. Why are you there? Why are you in that spot? You have a mission, that's why. That's your assignment. That's your mission. That's your project right there. So Father in heaven, what are you up to? 
What can I do? And listen to this. I had a young person ask me this the other day. The Pastor Brady, I really don't know what God's called me to do. And, you know, I've heard you talk about this and I just don't know what my calling is. So when heaven seems silent, this is what I said to this young leader. When heaven seems silent. In other words, when you wake up every day and say, Father in heaven, what are you up to today? I want to be a part. Silence. There may be a lot of days like that. You don't hear anything. Don't beat yourself up, okay? That's not, that's not you're not in trouble with God. God hasn't run out of stuff for you to do. You're still important with him. But when heaven seems silent, do what the scriptures have already told us. The scriptures have already given you your assignment. Do you know that? The continuously articulate Bible. The scriptures are trustworthy for this. So here's what the scriptures have told you to do. This is so simple. Love your neighbor. You can do that for the rest of your life, but I promise you, you're going to be really fulfilled. I mean, this, this will change your life if you'll just do that. Love your neighbor. Okay, here's, here's the second thing. There's another one. Take care of widows and orphans. When you don't know what else to do, take care of widows and orphans. You know, that's exactly what the Lord said to me right after the violence came into our campus 15 years ago. Um, just, I was so overwhelmed with grief, number one, heaviness. I, I couldn't, I didn't have any grand division for this place. I was trying to survive. I honestly, I didn't know, I didn't have any master plan. I didn't have a five-year executive plan for my life. I was trying to get through until 5 p.m. is what I had. I didn't have a five-year plan, I had a 5 p.m. plan. Survive until I go home. That was it. And the Lord said to me, Brady, until the place is healthy and whole, until I resurrect this place, just take care of widows and orphans. Take care of widows and orphans. That's where Mary's home came from. Do you know that? That's why we have an apartment complex full of single moms and their children today is because the Lord said to me, love your neighbor, Brady, and take care of widows and orphans. Where does that come from? James 1.27. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father assist. Take care of widows and orphans in their distress and keep your heart unspotted from the world. That's it. That's James, the brother of Jesus, said, you want to know what it means to follow God? This is it. Take care of widows and orphans in their distress and keep your own heart clean. And I said to the Lord that day, I can do that. Because I, I can take care of widows, I can take care of orphans, and I can keep my own heart clean, and I'll let you do the rest, Lord. And he did. Listen, he did the rest. He is the one that resurrected this church. He is the one that poured his spirit out upon it. Do you know in the last two years, I'm just thinking of this morning, in the last 24 months, we've baptized 700 people in the last 24 months at New Life Church. 700. I told that to a pastor friend. He goes, Brady, that's not happening anywhere in the country. He said, repeat that back to me. I said, in the last 24 months, we have baptized over 700 people. He said, that, that's revival. That's, I said, listen, and I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, the preaching's not that great. It's a, I said, it was just very average. But listen, it's happening, and I like it that way. It's God doing it. It's the Lord raising people up. It's God changing hearts. I, I, I've never told you this story, and I want to tell it to you. I, I felt compelled to tell you this story for the first time. I've kept it a secret for 15 years, and I want to tell you. Right before I said yes to being the pastor here at New Life Church, 15 and a half years ago, I was on staff at a church in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I got a random email from a person I'd never heard of. And he did not know me. He did not know that I was a going to, he didn't know I was applying here. 
He had heard me preach at this church. And he said, Lord, when, when you were preaching, the Lord gave me a word for you. Again, he doesn't know me. He's never met me. He did not know that I had anything to do with Colorado. He said, Brady, a very influential church in the western part of the United States is you're about to be the senior pastor of an of influential church in the western part of the United States. He said, I've never met you. I don't know what's going on in you, but an influential church is about to make you their senior pastor. And it's in the western part of the United States. He's blowing my mind. I said, who's talking to him? I had never heard of him. I still can't tell you his name today. He said, now listen, when you take that assignment, some very powerful people are going to serve. And he said, I saw it in, he said, in spirit realm, I saw some very powerful people hovering behind you, looking over your shoulders, surrounding you, pressuring you to get involved in partisan politics. He said, keep your eyes focused on Jesus and he will always bless your work. Listen, that was 15 and a half years ago. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had powerful people hovering over me, pressuring me to do something. And I remember that random email, keep your eyes focused on the resurrected Christ and I will bless this place. Listen, New Life Church, there will be moments in your life where you are gonna be challenged, where the enemy wants to distract you. Can I remind you today of your primary assignment? I'm here today to remind you there are things that only you can do. Your assignment is important, and the reason it's important is because only you can do it. Don't get distracted. Do what the Father says. Listen to the Father. Do what the Father says. And you're gonna look up one day and you're gonna find your life fruitful and blessed. You're gonna see multiplication all over your life because you refuse to be distracted. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I pray over you this morning? I'm so grateful, I love you. But more importantly, listen, more importantly, the Lord really loves you. He, he really likes you. He's pleased with you. I feel that all the time, the pleasure of the Lord about this place. And, and there's lots of great churches in town. We're not exclusive to that. God's moving in churches all over our, our, our nation and our city. But in this place, the Lord's pleased with us. And, and I'm, I just wanna tell you, the Lord's will is for you to be fully engaged in what he's called you to do. Can we just turn our eyes to the Lord? Will you just turn your hands toward heaven for a moment? And I'm here today to remind you, like I have been for the last seven or eight weeks, you're called you're anointed, you're chosen, the Lord receives you, the Lord blesses you, the Lord has given you all that you need for life and godliness. There's not one thing that he has not given you for you to go do what he's called you to do. In fact, you have more than enough. He has poured out his spirit upon you, he has sealed your forehead with his delight. He has put you in the palm of his hand. He's given you ears to hear and eyes to see. He's come today to give you a holy imagination. Strength for the call. Listen, New Life Church, you are so close. You're right at the finish line. You're about to hang the gates. The wall has been rebuilt. There's just one last thing to do and the Lord's going to complete the work that he's promised in your life. Don't get distracted here at the finish line. 
Father in heaven, we thank you today. Thank you that you're with us, that you're for us. Father, we, I pray today that our eyes would stay fixed on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who did not despise the cross, I want to give an opportunity this morning. I, I just strongly sense there's people in the room that, and people watching online that may want to say yes to Jesus today. And I don't want to walk away from this without giving you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You're called. And when I said that to you, maybe the first time in your life you started realizing maybe there's something I need. Maybe Jesus is worth following if he has a call on my life. So I want to pray with you and for you this morning. If you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, this prayer is going to sound super simple. And the reason it sounds simple is because all the hard work has already been done for you. Christ was crucified, took all of your shame, all of your sins upon himself. On the third day, he was resurrected. He is alive today and he is looking for you. And he's going to keep looking for you until you say yes. But maybe this morning you're ready to say yes. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. New Life, would you just pray the prayer with me out loud so that the people around you who may be praying it for the very first time, will they'll pray it with you if you'll pray it with them right now. So act as if you're leading a prayer meeting on your row. The row where you're sitting, you're about to lead a prayer meeting. Let's, let's pray this together. Father in heaven, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. I cannot save myself. So today I choose to surrender my life to Jesus. I confess that you are Lord. You're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of the universe. And I lay my life down before you. I pray you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord today, the people who prayed the prayer with us? Let's sing together. Come on, let's sing a song. In just a minute, Pastor Brad's going to come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's sing together. Be thou my vision, be thou my joy, my providence and my reward. Be thou the wisdom that I employ to train my worth for confession yeah. my heart shall whisper a sure amen and trust your every word right now be thou exalted be thou exalted Jesus my steel that I may offer 
and grab your elements this morning as we get ready to receive from the Lord. Philippians 2 says that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped and used for his own advantage. But instead, he took on the very nature of a servant and became obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. You know, Brady this morning challenged us to give our lives away, to give of ourself, that that's one of the ways we stay focused on the things that truly matter. Well, Jesus went first. Jesus set an example. He didn't just say, go and do this. He said, watch me. This is my very essence. And when I do this and I put my spirit inside of you, that spirit is gonna compel you to give your life away. So as we take communion, I want you to think about the ways tomorrow morning you can give yourself away. You can serve, you can choose the path of servanthood like Jesus. That you can ask Jesus, show me what it looks like in this season of my life to give my life away on behalf of others to show them what you're like. Church, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had broken it, he blessed it, and gave thanks and passed it around. He said, this is my body given for you. Let's take the bread together. And then he took the cup, said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you take it, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup.
Can we just thank the Lord for the things that he's done with us this morning among us, how he's moved. Thank you, God. You're so good, Lord. Before I pray a prayer of blessing for you, a couple things. Our prayer team is coming forward. If you have any prayer needs at all, we'd love the chance to spend a few minutes praying with you. Also, sections one and two, good news, today is your party day. You have a section community party, which means you get lunch. So make sure you follow the signs to that. Also, Connect Central out these doors to the left. Love a chance to connect with you if you're new in the last few weeks to New Life. Also, if you could turn around and look on your seat for this card, it says Dar Kids on it. We have 220 children in a school in Guatemala that we've partnered with that we're looking, our, our goal is that we would sponsor all 220 of those kids today on Outreach Sunday. There's also a booth in the lobby. You can ask your questions. Um, amazing opportunity. We open your hands, church. Prayer, prayer, blessing upon you. Children of God gathered at New Life Church, may you know that the Lord is good. May you know that he has laid down his life for you and is inviting you to do the same. May this week you be filled with the Holy Spirit. May he turn his face towards you. May he grant you peace. May his favor and rest be upon your home. I pray in Jesus' name. Guys, go enjoy Outreach Sunday in the Lobby. Have a great week. See you on Wednesday.